...move toward the bathroom. The grooming kit was in almost the same position as he'd left it. Almost. Shit. He slowly opened the case and looked down at the articles and then the photo. She was looking up at him from the photo with the challenging stare he knew so well. Perhaps Grozak hadn't seen it. Perhaps he wouldn't think it important, even if he had. But could he afford to risk her life on that chance? He moved quickly to the closet and jerked out the duffel and tore up the support board. It was gone. Shit. Harvard University. Hey, I thought you were going to study for that final. Jane glanced up from her sketchbook to see her roommate, Pat Hershey, bounding into the room. I had to take a break. I was getting too intense to keep a clear head. Sketching relaxes me. So would sleep, Pat smiled. And you wouldn't have had to study so hard if you hadn't been out half last night playing nursemaid. Mike needed someone to talk to. She made a face. He's scared to death that he's going to flunk out and disappoint everyone. Then he should be studying instead of crying on your shoulder. Jane knew she was right, and she'd had moments of exasperation and impatience last night. He's used to coming to me with problems. We've known each other since we were kids. Pat strolled over and glanced at the sketch. Good God, you're drawing him again. Jane ignored the comment. Did you have a good run? Up my distance by a mile. Pat flopped down in the chair and began untying her running shoes. You should have come with me. It's no fun for me running alone. No time. Jane finished the sketch in three bold strokes. I told you I had to study for my chemistry final. Yeah, that's what you told me, but here you are drawing Mr. Wonderful again. Believe me, he's not wonderful. She snapped the sketchbook shut. And he's definitely not the type of man you take home to meet your mom and dad. He's gorgeous. I don't know why you haven't done a full portrait of him. It would be much better than the one you did of the old lady that won that prize. Jane smiled. I don't believe the judges would have agreed with you. Oh, I'm not knocking you. The other portrait was brilliant. But then you're always brilliant. You'll be famous someday. Jane made a rude sound. I'm far too practical. I have no artistic temperament. You won one of the most prestigious competitions in the country. Art is subjective. If there had been another set of judges, I might not have fared so well. She shrugged. And that would have been okay. I paint what and who I want. It gives me pleasure. I don't have to be first with anyone else. Don't you? No, I don't, Miss Freud, so back off. Whatever you say. Pat was still staring at the sketch. You said he was an old friend? Friend? No way. Their relationship had been too volatile to involve friendship. No, I said I knew him years ago. Hadn't you better take your shower? Pat chuckled. Am I treading on private ground again? Sorry, it's my busybody nature. Besides, I'm hoping Mr. Wonderful is going to show up so that I can seduce him. You'll be disappointed. He's not going to show up. He probably doesn't remember I'm alive, and now he's just an interesting face to me. I'd make sure he remembered me. What did you say his name was? Jane smiled teasingly. Mr. Wonderful, what else? No, really, I know you told me, but I... Trevor. Mark Trevor. That's right. Pat headed for the bathroom. Trevor, I've just decided I need to take you in hand and find a hunk to screw you and release all that pent-up tension you're storing. You've been living like a nun lately. This Trevor seems a good candidate. Jane shook her head. Pat made a face. Stubborn. Well, then I'll skip him and go on to the local talent. She disappeared back into the bathroom. Skip Trevor? Not likely, Jane thought. She'd been trying to ignore him for the past four years and succeeded at times. Yet he was always in the background, waiting to push into her consciousness.
That was the reason she'd started sketching his face three years ago. Once the sketch was finished, she could forget him again for a while and get on with her life. And it was a good life, full and busy and definitely not empty. She didn't need him. She was accomplishing her goals, and the only reason why his memory still lingered was that their time together had taken place under such dramatic circumstances. Black sheep might be intriguing to Pat, but she'd led a sheltered life and didn't realize how much... Her cell phone rang. She was being followed. Jane glanced over her shoulder. No one. At least no one suspicious. A couple of college guys out for a good time were strolling across the street and eyeing a girl who had just gotten off the bus. No one else. No one interested in her. She must be getting paranoid. The hell she was. She still had her street kid's instincts and she trusted them. Someone had been following her. She glanced up at the neon light on the building ahead. The Red Rooster? Oh, for God's sake, Mike. If he was going to get soused, he could have at least picked a bar whose owner had a little originality. That was too much to expect. Even when Mike wasn't in a panic, he was neither selective nor critical. Tonight, he evidently wouldn't care if the place was called Do Drop In if they'd serve him enough beer. And the kid was only 18, damn it. So get him out, get him back to his dorm, and get him sober enough to talk sense into him. She opened the door and was immediately assaulted by noise, the smell of beer, and a crush of people. Her gaze searched the room and finally spotted Mike and his roommate, Paul Donnell, at a table across the bar. She moved quickly toward them. From this distance, Paul seemed sober, but Mike was obviously royally smashed. Jane, Paul rose to his feet. This is a surprise. I didn't think you hit the bars. I don't. And it wasn't a surprise to Paul. He'd phoned her 30 minutes ago to tell her Mike was depressed and in the process of getting plastered. But if he wanted to protect his relationship with Mike by pretending he hadn't let her know that was okay with her, she'd never cared much for Paul. He was too slick, too cool for her taste. But he evidently was worried about Mike. Except when Mike is making an idiot of himself. Come on, Mike. We're getting out of here. Mike looked blearily up at her. Can't. I'm still sober enough to think. Barely, she glanced at Paul. You pay the tap and I'll meet you at the door. Not going, Mike said. Happy here. If I get one more beer down, Paul promised to crow like a rooster. A red rooster. Paul raised his brows and shook his head at Jane. Sorry to put you through this. Since we've only been rooming together for a few months, he wouldn't listen to me. But he's always talking about you. I didn't think you'd mind if... It's okay. I'm used to it. We grew up together, and I've been taking care of him since he was six years old. You're not related? She shook her head. He was adopted by the mother of the woman who took me in and raised me. He's a sweet kid when he's not being so damn insecure. But there are times when I want to shake him. Go easy on him. He's got a major case of nerves. He headed for the bar. I'll pay the tab. Go easy on him. If Ron and Sandra Fitzgerald hadn't been so easy on Mike, he wouldn't have forgotten what he'd learned on Delaney Street and would be better able to cope in the real world, she thought in exasperation. Are you mad at me? Mike asked morosely. Don't be mad at me, Jane. Of course I'm mad at... He was looking up at her like a kicked puppy and she couldn't finish. Mike, why are you doing this to yourself? Mad at me disappointed. Listen to me, I'm not disappointed, because I know you're going to do fine once you work your way through this. Come on, we'll get out of here where we can talk. I should never have come here. Ron and Sandra were wrong. I could never make it in an Ivy League school. The school would never have accepted you if they didn't think you could make it. She sighed as she realized she wasn't getting through to him through that haze of alcohol. 
We'll talk later, on your feet. No, damn you, Jane, I'm not. Shut up. She took his arm and propelled him toward the door. I'm not feeling very warm toward you right now. I have a test tomorrow, and I'll have to stay up till dawn to make up for this trip to town. Why? he asked gloomily. You'd ace it anyway. Some people have it, some people don't. That's bull, and a pretty pitiful excuse for being lazy. She opened the door and pushed him out of the bar. You won't even make it through the first term if you don't shape up. That's what Paul said. Then you should have paid more attention. She saw Paul standing on the sidewalk and asked, Where's his car parked? Around the corner in the alley. All the parking spots were filled when we got here. Do you need help with him? Not if he can walk, she said grimly. I hope you took his car keys away from him. What kind of friend would I be if I didn't? He reached in his pocket and handed her the keys. Do you want me to drive your car back to school? She nodded, took her keys out of her purse and gave them to him. It's two blocks down, a tan Toyota Corolla. She worked two jobs and bought it herself. Mike shook his head. Amazing, brilliant Jane. She's the star. Did I tell you that, Paul? Everyone's proud of Jane. Come on. She grabbed his arm. I'll show you amazing. You'll be lucky if I don't deck you before I get back to the dorm. I'll see you back at your room, Paul. The alley was yawning just ahead. Her hand tightened on the key as she pressed the unlock button and pushed him toward his Saturn. You can't even remember what... Shadow, leaping forward, arm raised. She instinctively pushed Mike aside and ducked. Pain, in her shoulder, not her head, where the blow was aimed. She whirled and kicked him in the belly. He grunted and bent double. She kicked him in the groin and listened with fierce satisfaction as he howled in agony. Bastard! She took a step toward him. Can't you... A bullet whistled by her ear.